Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. The COVID-19 pandemic's unique impact on persecuted Christians has added an element of urgency to Open Door's work in this season. Can you imagine facing COVID-19 in a home already threatened daily simply because of your faith? Well, Canada is just beginning to adjust to the new normal. COVID-19 has left our already persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ in a much more vulnerable position. Today, we're joined by Reverend Gary Stagg. He's the executive director of Open Doors Canada. Today, he'll speak to us about the unique impact that COVID-19 has had on the persecuted church and how we as the church can help. Our guest today is Reverend Gary Stegg. He's the Executive Director of Open Doors Canada. So first of all, Reverend Gary Stegg, welcome back to the show. We had you on about a year ago talking about the work of Open Doors Canada. Uh, But for people that haven't met you, haven't heard you before, tell us a little bit about your history of working in missions and ministry. Well, I was a pastor for about 30 years, and uh, but during that time, I always um, kept the cause of the persecuted church before my congregation. It was a big part of my ministry. I found out about Open Doors 20 years ago, and um, um, I traveled with Open Doors. I followed their prayer calendars, praying for the persecuted church, the International Day of Prayer for the persecuted church in my churches, and, and so on and so um, it was it really had become a part of me. And then um, uh, three years ago, when uh, they were looking for an executive director, they reached out to me to see if I would be interested. And so here I am. Uh, Open Doors started by Brother Andrew, correct? That's right. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people might be familiar with his story, smuggling Bibles behind the Iron Curtain. But uh, for those who aren't familiar with Open Doors Canada, tell us a little bit about the work that you do. Open Doors Canada, we um, we are there to strengthen and equip Christians living in the world's most dangerous places. We provide discipleship, safe houses, trauma support, job training. We still smuggle Bibles, believe it or not, even in a digital age. But there are some places where we still need to um, ensure that they get the word of God into their hands. We equip and train leaders. We provide basic human needs wherever there's uh a crisis situation, we are there uh, to, to help wherever we can. And so whatever the persecuted church needs, that's what we're there to do. I think we're so comfortable in the church in the West, or we were before COVID hit and we couldn't attend church anymore, but we tend to think that persecution doesn't happen anymore, right? That happened in the New Testament uh, and happened to people like Paul and the other disciples, but it's still very active in the world today. Uh, what kind of impact does the work that you do have on persecuted Christians around the world? Well, it's really life-giving to them. And, you know, you said that uh, persecution is still alive and well, it really is because it's, it's, uh, it's, it's actually on the increase. There's 260 million Christians today that suffer at least high levels of persecution, high, high to extreme levels of persecution. That's one in eight Christians globally that suffer um, high levels of persecution. The um, the impact, I think the number one impact on, a, on persecuted believers is when they know that there are people in other countries, people in Western countries, in the free world, as we say, that are, uh, that are remembering them, that are lifting them up in prayer. That's such a, such a, 
a huge thing for them to know that brothers and sisters around the world are standing with them. I can give you uh, an example of one girl in North Africa who just uh, did a search, online search. She became very curious about Christianity um, from a very strict religious background, but not a Christian background. Um, she uh, went online to find out more about this thing, Christianity, that she had heard about and seen some things. And um, she she came to know Christ on on that uh, on that on the platform that she was on, and then um, she thought for the longest time that she was the only Christian in North Africa because she lived in such a, a strict Islamic state. She figured she was the only one. But then um, as she did more searching, she found out that there were more Christians there in, uh, in that part of the world that she was able to connect with. But uh, for all of them, the, the, the amazing thing is to know that there are brothers and sisters around the world who are standing with them, are remembering them and praying for them. It seems like so little to do in the face of persecution, right, that we could pray, but it is really probably the most powerful thing, I guess. Yes, it's the number one thing if you ask them, if you ask anybody in the persecuted church, what can we do for you? And usually when we say that, we're, we mean materially, right? <laughs> you yeah. know, but the first thing that they say is, um, please pray for us. Uh, it's pretty staggering, the numbers, too. Uh, we've been telling a lot of stories coming out of Nigeria this year. Uh, over 600 Christians killed so far, what some numbers are saying, in 2020, and around 12,000 over the course of the last five years. When you hear reports like that, uh, what's, you know, what's your reaction? Well, of course, it's always uh, it's always sad to hear these reports and to know that uh, these brothers and sisters are going through um, such horrific uh, persecution, even death. Um, but the, you know, the amazing thing is to see their faith that they will not deny Jesus hmm. no matter what. Even if it means death, they still, um, they still will not deny Jesus. You know, they still maintain their faith. And, and I think the, the thing for me, it, it, it's humbling because I, I just try to put myself in, in their position and, and wonder how I would react in that kind of a situation, you know? Yeah. How, how, would I, how would I truly react? And hopefully I would react the same way. And um, the, the, the thing that's humbling for me is that just the pure faith of these brothers and sisters. Uh, in the midst of COVID-19, of course, our lives have been upended here. But I'm wondering, has it had an effect on people already experiencing persecution in places like Syria, China, or North Korea? Yeah, it's, it's just intensified things. I mean, uh, when you think about these, these, these um, persecuted family members all already have, uh, you know, they're already in a place where they are marginalized because of their faith. Um, they are in these countries. They're they're usually the minority, and um, so it's um, when you throw this into the mix, it is uh, it is absolutely uh, devastating for them. You know, we we think of um, like I'm still in lockdown here because I live in Toronto. We're we're still in in, in a lockdown. We're confined to working from home 
I'm working here. My wife is working upstairs and we can do social distancing pretty good, you know, uh-huh. and we take that for granted. But in these countries where these persecuted believers live, oftentimes just survival for them means that there is, um, you know, a number of people living under the same roof, roof and it can be, it can be tw- up to 20 people that are uh, living in that, in that same house. And they they don't have the luxury of, of staying and not working. They have to work because they would starve to death if they didn't work. Mm-hmm. And so just the thing about um, just social distancing can be such a, a, a challenge for them. The other thing is too, that they already live in countries where um, they're, especially in, in places of war. If you, if you think of Syria, for instance, their healthcare systems have already been destroyed and uh, leaving people completely vulnerable to catching all kinds of diseases and, so then they can't get the help that they need. The other thing is because of their, because of how they're viewed in society, they are, um, they are made to uh, wait at the end of the line, so to speak. I can share an example like in India. I was talking to our director in India, and he said that um, the aid that's coming in is usually uh, distributed by the um, elders of the villages and most of the persecution that we see is in the rural areas. And so when the aid comes in, government aid or even aid from other organizations and so on comes in, it's the responsibility of the elder of the community to um, distribute that aid. And he's saying what they're finding is that the Christians are told to wait at the end of the line always to receive knowing that they probably won't get anything. And so some of these people were absolutely starving and um, our, uh, our people on the ground there became aware of that and they swung into action and started to um, deliver um, supplies and basic necessities for them to, to live. We've seen some really amazing things in India too. Uh, reports like that persecution, unfortunately, but I've also seen reports of where Christians in India are stepping up and when they're able to do so and feed people, they're feeding the people that have been persecuting them. Yes, that's it's amazing. If they if they have uh, things left over, they they really they really exhibit the um, a missional lifestyle um they are people that know that they're being persecuted but still maintain that mission that they are there to be the salt and light of jesus christ what an amazing testimony it really is it's it's incredible uh so feeding in places like uh india and helping people get food and persecuted christians what other kind of initiatives is open doors working on right now uh to help Christians impacted by COVID? Um, well, they're doing their uh, uh, um, medicine is another big thing. They're helping with medicine. They're helping with uh, masks and uh, PPEs. Uh, those kinds of things are, are on the go. And, and still in all of that are um, maintaining programs to help people uh, through trauma you mentioned Nigeria and all that's been happening there. You can imagine how traumatizing that is for Christian communities there and families. Um, still, we are we see that need and we're still responding to 
the need to help people in in these times of crisis. So as uh, Canadians, what are some things we could be doing to help besides the prayer, as you mentioned before? Yeah, well, prayers, like I said, you know, that's the number one thing. And I, I'm, I always say, uh, the number, number one thing that we do is, is, is that we are not fundraisers, but we are prayer raisers Hmm. (laughs) because we believe that as people begin to pray that God will move on their hearts to do whatever they can for persecuted believers. Um, but the reality is, is that they do depend on us and, um, they are in these places of greatest need. And so any gift that we can give them, it makes a huge impact. One of the things that um, is wonderful about the DNA of Open Doors, and this is a result of Brother Andrew and our, the people that, you know, came before us. And um, the, in, in the DNA of the organization, the, there's agility built into um into our ministry. And that is out of necessity because we work in the most dangerous places in the world. And so we have to have a very agile approach to, to ministry. And that means that uh, we work with partners on the ground. Uh, we find uh, the people there that, that uh, Christians and local pastors and so on that are vetted through our field um, managers and directors. And those are the people that we work with. And because of that, it doesn't matter what happens. COVID-19 can happen and we can still respond to the needs as long as we can get those funds to, to them and to get the supplies to them. There's already a system in place locally to take care of it. So they're not, it's not us being prevented from going to the field to help them. They're already there. And so any, anything that anybody can do, we know that that, that is going to be put to use right away. And so I would encourage people to, to um, check out for yourself, um, you know, what's happening around the world. Educate yourself is another thing that you can do. Check out the World Watch List. I think you're familiar with that. We yes. spoke, about, spoke about, about that before. And just to, to, to um, know what's happening to the, the, the body of Christ around the world, I think it's really important. It, the, the body is so important to God. And it cannot be unimportant to us. We have to, we have to, it has to be a a priority for us as well. And so, um, you know, those are the kinds of things that you can do. Just educate yourself, pray. Um, If you're able to give, then give. I can tell you that the money is going to get to where it needs to go because of the way that we are set up. And um, we would really appreciate any help that we can get. I think Christians here, we've really woken up to how important the body is now that we're not allowed to gather as a body, right? And yes, so exactly. just really eye-opening how the wider worldwide body of Christ, we're all connected and called to help our brothers and sisters. If we want to know more about Open Doors Canada, what's the best way to do that? I think just going to our website at opendoorsca.org, opendoorsca.org. Um, you can get a lot more information. You can check out our Facebook page. If you can like the Facebook page, that that would help our brothers and sisters as well. It's just a small thing that you can do. You can follow us on Instagram and uh, Twitter. We also have a monthly podcast that you can um, subscribe to. And uh, another exciting thing that we're doing starting next month on July 14th, the 2nd, uh, Tuesday of every month is going to be set aside for a, uh, a, a Zoom prayer meeting. 
Oh, so great idea. All across Canada are going to come together and we're going to join for an hour and pray. We'll, we'll give updates then about what's happening all around the world in the persecuted church. And then we'll spend time praying for our brothers and sisters. Love it. What a great idea. Thank you so much for joining us again. And thanks for the work that you're doing with Open Doors Canada. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Appreciate it. Remember, if you want to listen to the full conversation again, you can always do that by visiting your radio station's website. We'll talk to you again on Connections.